If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. Oh gosh, it's like a million. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried, the girls bro. are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing. I was Welcome only- to the Winner's Edit, a survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And we are here to cover what I guess was two episodes of Survivor in one night. Um, it does of- look like it. Yeah, there's two episode titles. And I think generally the approach here is to treat it as two. I think we definitely saw what would have been the first episode um, last, like, last year. Like, I think basically we see the same narrative be end it. Obviously, with him being on the island, the cliffhanger, I think this really was pretty explicitly two episodes. Yeah, the same sort of breaks. I think they were wise, though, to do it in one night this time. Um, Mm. Sort of make that whole arc happen. We talked about that last week. Um, how that would be a better choice, and guess what? It was a better choice. It worked really well. So, um, that said, yeah. I mean, there was some weirdness here with it being two episodes. So we get basically a cliffhanger. Rockroy's out there on the island. Um, which was an amazing scene, by the way. That was he was the best person to possibly go. Uh, they come back, or so they explain it before, like exactly the machinations and the in the layout of the tribe and everything like that. To make the decision, Jeff's doing that to Roxroy. And then they come back to the new episode, and they do that again immediately after the commercial break. And they show Roxroy back at the thing. Like, they, they basically redo scenes again because it's two episodes uh, to, like, reaffirm the audience of what's happening. But because it's in one block, it was just like, didn't we already see this? Like, it was very weird that way, but overall, I thought it was a pretty fun merge. Yeah, lots of development and lots of great scenes. I talked last week about how they could squander this if they didn't give it the right sort of attention for the complexity of what was happening, and I think they did a really good job. Um, We saw a very interesting way of how things sort of fell together, where instead of um, existing blocks using those, the people who wanted to flip, everyone just sort of turned on those people and let them be the minority. So I think maybe that's one of the more easier ways for it to have gone down, but they still, I think, showed a lot of people connecting and not always fitting into that. I agree. I think they actually did a pretty darn good job of giving you the lay of the land, like who's with who. Um... I mean, if you think about it, they basically developed this eight-person physical, like, you know, beast alliance or whatever in this episode, right? Like, in these episodes, I guess I should say, right? Like, we go from that not being a thing at all to probably being the dominant group of the game. And I think you know who's in it, you know why they're in it, you know who is the connective tissue in the alliance. They did a really good job here, I think, this episode, giving you exactly what's going on, like... Who's on the outs? Like, even a a weird one, like, I think one relationship that gets kind of uh, left on the cutting room floor a little bit is Romeo, Drea, uh, who were so close last week and now are all of a sudden not together. But you still know where Romeo is, and so you can kind of assume, oh, Drea just picked somebody else, and that's fine. Like, there's the shorthand they had to use was in the right spots for the most part, I think. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it's interesting that it did form this way and yet we still got to see an episode where they were 
ostensibly taking out one of their own. Like, it had happened where there was already treason within the ranks, and so they had to deal with that as well. So, so very interesting, and I think very well handled. Yeah, and I mean, I'm a little bit worried about the um, intrigue of this merge. Like, this kind of seems like it might be a set alliance. Then again, we did think that was going to be the case with Strike Force back in David vs. Goliath. So, never know, could dissolve immediately. But pretty strong showing, I think, for this. I don't know if it has a name, but, you know, the the physically strong alliance like seems like they're gonna be pretty dominant yeah i think they may hold tight for for several eliminations it's just i think which of these people who are not within it are gonna maybe survive a little longer and i think there's a few leads there agreed no i i think that's gonna be a huge part of my analysis this week is i think how the people outside this group were shown was very interesting and unique like each of them get their own little narrative uh, that I think bodes a way different level of success, right? Like, I, I think uh, uh, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Uh, this week, we also get the return of the previously on. Mm-hmm. I actually don't remember if they did one at the merge last season. But, like, if this is just a merge thing, I think I'm happy with it. Like, it was kind of cool to have them reframe the narrative uh, from the start. I think it was really helpful to summarize just advantages. Like, you totally got an mm-hmm. idea for where they all were at this moment um when some of that stuff can really get lost when there's so many floating out there so i think they did a really good job of just sticking to that and then really quickly just showing oh yeah and daniel went last episode so yeah i think it worked out really well i think so too and i mean overall i have a lot of really positive things to say about the editing this week like the all the rocks Roy content on that beach almost made me forgive the unforgivable twist you know what i mean like I still, I, I, for me, I don't think they improved at all, really, this twist. Like, I think it's still, like, a complete tragedy to the game. Like, I think it's explicitly lying to the players and completely unfair. Um, but, honestly, him on the island was really fun, because it seemed like he would rather be there than anybody else. They were getting some awesome mic pickups of him being like, oh, yeah, oh, this wire here, like... He was just a great, weird narrator uh, for that, like, for his uh, building the shelter segment and everything like that. It was just great. Extremely well edited. Uh, I was, like, in awe of how well that was put together, even though the actual structural thing I was was pretty annoyed by. So, good on the Survivor editors for making something pretty cool out of that. Yeah, I think it was more enjoyable to watch than Erica's trip last season. Like, I got more insight into who Roxroy is, and it worked better to make me feel sympathetic for him. Um, but yeah, I think the twist more this epi- or more this season failed, because yeah, it just seems like such an obvious choice. You're already, yeah. You've already been outcast. Uh, why would you not want immunity? I mean, strip it down to just that. That's the only thing that matters about it, right? Like, it's even if everything else was the same, you, at the end of the day, you're asking, do you want to be immune or not? This is really one of the worst case scenarios where Roxroy and Tori are so at each other's throats. Tori clearly has the way to send Roxroy away. Roxroy clearly has a way to deny Tori immunity. It it just was the most obvious. Mm-hmm. So No, totally agree. Like there was no like imagine if that was the cliffhanger. Like that would have just been painful. Mm-hmm. You a hundred percent know uh that he was totally going to so again very glad this was one episode or you know one night of television 
uh, because would have been pretty insufferable having to come on here and be like, ah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess he's just going to do it. I wonder what that means. And uh, I mean, shout out to Tori for winning that individual immunity and like honestly saving the episode. Uh, if Tori just left here, that would have sucked. Yeah, it would have been very boring. And the editors did a really good job of sort of just showing how how in trouble she was and really building up that tension of her winning. I mean, I guess it depends on where you are on Tori as TV, Tori as a character, um, but I really enjoyed it. I was, I was happy to see she won because it definitely made for some intrigue. Well, like, even if you... I feel like even if you are, like... Tory hater like even if you don't realize it i think you want her to win immunity here you know like lydia's great whatever she seems really funny on twitter she was not bringing much to the season and and i don't I think there's just something that she's a very interesting person, but her energy and delivery, I don't think is ever going to play that well on CBS. And and I think that will always hold her back as a character to some degree. Um, and so I, I think we probably got what we were going to get from Lydia. Um, and I, I think we're going to get more from Tori. So I'm, I'm okay with this result personally. Yeah, definitely. I think there's people who are like, Oh, dang, Tori, Tori won, we won't get rid of her, but I think, yeah, you can't look at the flip side, which is how apparent that sort of post-immunity challenge stuff would have went down. Um, yeah, it would have been super boring, and, like, even if you look at where Lydia was positioned, like, look at all her content in this episode, it's Hi going up to people and being like, I have Lydia, and everyone being like, I want to work with Hi, I guess she's okay. Like, it did not seem like she was making an impact at all with any of these people, that's probably why it was not so difficult to flip on her. Like, I, d I don't think she was going to bring this huge amount. I think she was going to be a plus one. And when this is already a group of seven or eight or whatever, I don't think you need that having any more people in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, so I was very happy. Shout out to Tori for winning that. Uh, I think definitely saved the episode. Uh, and I mean, I thought... Like, I don't know, like, the ch the challenges were, like, pretty solid. Like, especially the reward immunity, fake immunity. Like, you win the reward, but you're automatically uh, vulnerable. That was a great challenge. Like, it was physical and brutal. Uh, love those giant boulders. Mm -hmm. They made them slightly safer. They weren't so buried in the ground this time. So, good on that. But, and yet, Drea yeah. still got kicked in the face. <laughs> yeah, that looked. That looked intense. Like I, I, I don't know how she was okay after that. I yeah. Like Daniel climbs a net and has to get like almost medevaced, and Dre gets kicked in the freaking face, like by someone falling off, like launching off a boulder, and then she falls down and she's fine. She gets right back up. Queen legend. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I felt. I mean, also, like, shout out to Jonathan, who, when, if you're, like, imagining, like, on paper, Jonathan leaves here, I think, like, nine out of ten seasons, right? Like, the big hulking monster man uh, wins immunity, it gets taken away from him, and he's one of few few people able to be voted for. I feel like nine out of ten times this archetype believes here, right? Like, this is where Ozzy, Joe, etc. would absolutely get pulverized. Yeah, when they're vulnerable, for sure. Especially when they just won. You know what I mean? Like, they just won a challenge in this, like, dominant fashion. It's stripped away from them, and you, you look at them, and they're the most likely to win the next ones. Like, really impressive from Jonathan for being able to turn the tables there uh, by just having a good social game. And, like, honestly, good on the other players for not being so immediately concerned about it. I think we'll see how it how it pays yeah, out. True. I think it, it may be a bad choice. I mean, you can't tell that until the season's done and over with. 
Right, if but... Jonathan wins every single immunity challenge from now on, like, okay, it was probably a mistake. But I, I think it's mature to at least be open to working with them. Like, having numbers is always going to be better in the game of Survivor. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I was pretty impressed across the board. It seems like most people this week played fairly optimally. Obviously, we have, like, this weirdness of the entire Ica tribe voting differently. And, like, it seems like the minority was just completely snowed. Again, not yeah. a very good sign for this merge moving forward. <laughs> but, I mean, I hope I'm, like, I hope that's wrong. I hope there's more interesting wrinkles here. Obviously, an alliance at eight, unless they're the final eight, is going to have to break up at some point. Yeah, I think the thing you saw from this episode was that everyone was moving and trying to do things. Um, Like, even Lydia, like, she wasn't the strongest player or the most connected, but she was trying to make moves, and then you had... Um, the people in the minority were trying their best. It's just that there was this already strong group. And I think with a strong group of eight that has this really good first showing, it's all the more tempting to break that at some point and get out people who might stand in your way when it does get down to eight. And I guess in fairness, it is seven now, right? Like, Lydia was one of the eight. Yeah, I mean, it depends on if Marianne is sort of taking that position but yeah you're right you're right yeah i guess that is actually genuinely kind of unclear and the fact that they're referring to it as an eight in the episode means to me i think that marianne's probably kind of in it but because they didn't give us another name to call it right like we just have the eight Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i mean i guess seven or eight I think we there's a core seven at the very least, and and maybe Marianne. I do think that Omer also did really good. I mean, I think that's been well trotted territory at this point. But like, dude crushed it. I I was really I was like screaming at my TV. He had the confessional of like, I don't have a vote, so you know, let things happen. I'm like, no, like you're gonna, you're gonna let your number one ally leave, you moron. And then he did it. He did the thing. So massive A plus. Yeah, I think they they had a really solid scene to show. Um, there's a lot to talk about what that means for Omer going forward, but I think you saw in this he took advantage of a really good opportunity, and then also, um, even in the way he was trying to frame it to people to make that happen like you could tell he was he was framing his language right and he had thought about what he was saying which i think is something we miss from some of these people who are even playing really hard as we go forward like they don't say things in the best way i sort of think of how mike confronted chanel after after the vote um he's right but i don't know if it was the best way to put it i think omer did a really good job of making that happen totally agree um and like also very clever to pick lydia right like that's somebody who is gonna weaken people you're close with but not necessarily make enemies like and if you're in the eight you actually want that number to be like you want to be in the the largest num like the most influential smallest number in survivor right so you don't want a group of eight because even if, if you're successful and you're at eight, that means you need to then be in a position where of that eight, you're a four or five or something, right? Like, so really mm-hmm. you want to be in a five and make people think you're in an eight or, or, or what have you, right? So once you're over the threshold of a can vote anybody out, you actually don't need any of those other numbers. So you should be trying to trim the ones that aren't relevant to you for your next stage, right? And... I think it was very savvy to take out Lydia here, who would be High's parachute, right? Like, save your parachutes, get rid of the ones that 
other people will use so they become reliant on you is very good play yeah so yeah i mean great episode um i wanted to kind of touch on here before we go into stories themes all that sort of thing uh and focus a little bit on the plot which i think has uh is almost a story in itself so obviously we always touch on the stories the themes the long-term uh storytelling of this show uh but because it's the merge and we've just got a new um like emergence i guess of uh where this story is going i think touching on the plot first is going to be smart here so um i think we have some core conflicts one of them that i think is the most obvious is tori roxroy obviously like that is at some point i think both their individual stories at this point is they don't like each other yeah for sure (laughs) i mean there's a lot of that i feel just a lot of people who are clearly Mm -hmm. not liking each other just living together and part of any survivor story is that right like every season we have people who don't get along right it's a social game and sometimes it's easy to say like have a social game but in reality there's gonna be some people you don't like you don't get along with make enemies that sort of thing and for these conflicts here for me it's like the real question is like somebody's gonna win and somebody's gonna lose this battle right like and inherently right like i I think the last season we saw the complex conflict basically be erica and deshaun and erica obviously gets one over on him at the end wins the game um for me i mean in this one i think tori's going over rock Troy for sure like you think winning like i think tori, she will, okay. yeah i think tori will be responsible for rock Troy leaving hmm. i don't know it just seems so hard to imagine at this point but yeah, she's pretty on the bottom like yeah <laughs> um numbers wise it's looking hard um but again like i just i think that there's so much that could happen like even maybe it's tori goes against rock Troy at the end i to me, I think the story is on her side of this. Mm. Maybe she trashes him from the jury or something. I don't know. But to me, I would pick Tori in this case. Um, is that... Are you thinking Roxroy? You think... So, no. I just... Thinking about what you said last week about if Roxroy d- didn't go here at the merge, like, when do you get rid of him? Is sort of where my mind's at now. It just seems like Roxroy is going to last forever in this game. Um, I know. And I think sometimes Survivor loves to build up these conflicts because they are are sort of a drama and that's just sort of a good point to focus around and i think it's often hard to pick out which ones are totally relevant so i think there's a chance like that was a huge sort of point to me it really felt like this conflict if anything built up to this moment where they both very clearly had ways to attack each other, and then they might fall to the wayside, whether that's Tori going quickly, or just it doesn't matter for the rest of their time here. You're right, this could totally be the end of it, for sure. Uh, Another one we have here is I think Jonathan Marianne. Uh, I think we got, like, to me, they're still at odds from that episode. Like, very clearly that one episode devoted it to the uh, oh my goodness, I'm already forgetting uh, that Kaku's tribe's content to be, like, building this up right we didn't see it in a huge way this week but we did see jonathan reaffirm that marianne would be the next to go but that she hasn't done anything wrong so i think it's an interesting one it seems like it's on ice i think it'll probably play like to me if you're gonna pick a complex relationship it's probably jonathan marianne at this point um because maybe they're a duo maybe they're enemies maybe they're both it's unclear at this point i think that's kind of narratively interesting yeah very this episode if it was anything it was passive aggressive where jonathan tries to urge marianne on at the challenge and she's like we've got time much to the chagrin of jonathan so i think it's interesting in that in how it applies to 
the season where it's not always coming across the strongest. Like here, there's a chance for it to be really a big focal point where Jonathan and Marianne could be the two targets. And I think we get a tiny, tiny bit of that, but it soon quickly turns to Omar targeting Lydia. And, they and that's sort what of... it was before, too, right? Which is so interesting. I think this story is weirdly Jonathan and Marianne with, like, Omer, like, making sure they never communicate so they can't hate each other kind of thing. Like, they're like, they have their lasers targeted at each other, and then Omer's, like, running in with a mirror, being like, no, like, uh, look this way instead. Like, that's kind of where I think the story is. I think it's kind of these three bouncing between each other, and Omer's trying to keep them happy. You know, they're like uh, two combustible elements and he's trying to make them, you know, stable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I actually have no idea who's going to come out on top here. Like, I don't know what the story's saying, but, uh, you know, spoiler for later, I think there's probably a lot of upside for whoever that is (laughs) Um, for me. Like, I really think that this is, if I had to guess, probably the complex relationship, this Jonathan, Marianne, Omer trio duo situation. And yeah, I mean, the only other ones I kind of like, obviously we have like Chanel, Mike, we have Lindsay, Marianne, we have like Tori and the rest of the Ika tribe. We have Hi going after Marianne. Like, they, we have a little bit, uh, a few of these people uh, mentioning that they wanted the other person out uh, quite explicitly. Um, and I, I guess we have Chanel and Hi as well. Um, he's, uh, you know, she's on his hit list. That's something that we get introduced in here is High's hit list. Um, and Chanel's the only one on it. Any of these kind of sparking anything for you, Joe? Um, not, not too much, I guess. I, I guess they're, it is interesting that they're so apparent. I think, yeah. like I said, that's really the strength of the season is that it's really, at least showing these very explicitly. And I think that's what helped, helped this merge episode was that it very clearly showed where firing lines may be drawn, where relationships might be forming, um, either mm-hmm. in little scenes or big scenes. It really, it's like not all of these are going to be humongous picture things, but I'm really appreciating that there are all these little bits and pieces here and there. Totally. I think, I think if I have to pick one, I think Tori Ika is the most interesting one because there was a lot of attention paid to Tori being a number against Ika. So I guess maybe I am going back to maybe she is Roxroy's demise. But I have no idea how, but yeah, I, like, yeah. I feel like that's happening. Like it this feels week like especially it took so much on her side. If we're if we're continuing sort of a Tori to Angelina through line, I don't think Angelina was originally in strike force. Maybe, maybe not. But it felt yeah, like was. Angelina Angelina very much became sort of a utility to whoever was in power throughout the merge of David versus Goliath. And so That's I could see Tori true. Tori doing the same thing. Yeah, like her confessional is like use me, right? Like like I'll flip on anybody. Like I am I'm, I'm really pretty high. I think I feel like she's probably a losing finalist, but we'll we'll get there. Um yeah, so that's just some like new conflicts kind of introduced to the story. Speaking of the stories, uh, let's jump in here and start with one that I mean might be like could be the theme of this episode, or maybe it's something it's a little bit more long term. And that is this new development, or is it new? Da da da. 
of physicality and the idea of strong versus weak. Obviously, we see the alliance more or less form around this idea. Um, and we also see the opposite, right? We see Marianne forming the little people alliance. It doesn't go very well, um, but we see it. Um, and yeah, I mean, what do you think of this theme so far, Joe? I think it is something that, though it wasn't made explicit in this episode, we have seen it throughout. Um, obviously, with Jonathan there, there's a lot of focus on like challenge performance. But I oh, think I you all... Yeah, you also see in camp life, there's often focus on someone doing a task really well and efficiently mm-hmm. versus someone sort of struggling along. Um, and and it's been talked about, like, another point with this is shields. So even with those people who are bigger, it's talked about how the little people can hide behind them. So, yeah, I yeah. think it, it is something that we weirdly didn't notice. I think because they weren't... I think to think about another theme that's coming along is like being reliant on people around you. In most cases, we thought, oh, these people need the strong people to make it. But then this is where it became very explicitly like the stronger people have come together and the the weaker people are also trying that. Not successful at the moment, but we'll see if that bounces back and forth. Yeah, I totally agree there. Like, I think we saw... like. Honestly, what happened for me is I couldn't tell early on if this was Jonathan's story or if it was a story of the season, right? We have Jonathan back in that episode when he gets called out, you know, for being a Goliath. He goes back to camp, he's talking to Lindsay. He's like, well, I guess I'll just be people shield then. That could be a positive. And to me, that was a huge moment. It has a lot of attention focused on it in the episode. Uh, but I wasn't sure, is this just Jonathan's story or is this something bigger? And you're right. Like, we could totally sort these people by good and capable around camp and not, right? Like, one mentioned, so last week we got a lot of content or a lot of uh, listener questions about like, oh, we were pretty high on Romeo. And one question I got was, has there ever been a winner to be presented with uh, shots of them just looking useless, right? Like we have a lot of shots of Romeo, like slapping a coconut and not making any dent, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a lot of shots of a lot of people either prospering or floundering at the survival stuff. And even Chanel, right? Like, if you go back to episode two, I think it is, is when she's like, I didn't realize I was going to be a provider, but look at these useless people. Like, we have all that all over the place of who's good, who's not. Um, And, I mean, I don't think we know where the story is, right? It could, like, this is the first time where I've been like, is this story about how being, like, and honestly, the Zach-Romeo uh, uh, relationship makes so much more sense now with, like, the skinny boys thing. Like, that's why that made air. You know, like now we have that understanding. Yeah. Yeah. It has been sort of really present since the beginning. I think, yeah, this is really just the episode where they were posed against one another as opposed to maybe working in conjunction with Mm -hmm. one another. And it's like, that's not completely gone either. Like, I would still say you have Omer for sure is on the Strong People Alliance, the Provider Alliance, and he is someone who has been shown to have those those weaker scenes, especially earlier on, so... There's a lot of them, yeah. Where does that put him? That's, like, my main... Like, I think that might be the... Like, might be the narrative, right? Like, it's literally the Strong People, quote-unquote, and Omer, who has been, maybe other than Romeo, presented as 
was the weakest, mm-hmm. right? Like phys- physically weak, not, uh, you know, in game strong, but uh, yeah. this is a physically strong alliance, not a mentally or, or whatever, right? Like this is not, this is not a well-rounded alliance, actually. This is a, you know, ma- like we're strong, we're, we're, we're powerful group. Um, and, and then Omer's just in it. And that's inherently a contradiction. Uh, and I, I, I don't know what it means yet, but I, I think it means something and it either means very bad things for Elmer or very bad things for the Alliance. Yeah, it seems like there's a chance there could be some... Why it breaks up is maybe because Omer could realize he's better off with the other group yeah. or yeah, helping those... That would be my guess. Like those less physical people. Um, and think about it, right? Like, okay, so for this theme specifically, you have Omer. What I mentioned earlier about Jonathan and Marianne. Jonathan is the spokesperson for the strong. Marianne, at this point, is the spokesperson for the little group, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, little people uh, alliance or whatever. Um, and Omer's the one in between them right now trying to make them get along. So inherently the story thrust is will Omer pick the strong people or the weak people? And he is the one centered as that person. Everybody else who's a free agent is like a use me person like Tori. Whereas he is actually kind of in a choice position of power, um, almost like a kingmaker in a way. And I, I don't think we have a clear answer where he's going. Yeah, I think it's this episode where High talks about how he is at the merge now, so he needs agency. And then the show doesn't say it explicitly, but they really show Omer in that place of agency instead of like giving it to High. Like High's a big character, but Omer's very clearly the one who can make things happen and make choices. Yeah. 100%. Like, he's our protagonist at this point, right? Like, he is the audience surrogate. He is the one who, it's like, he's picking who goes home, more or less, as far as we understand. And and I actually like that they've given him that role, because I think this season was missing that uh, to some degree. That was a criticism I had a couple weeks ago, which is gone now, because Omer, they did a good job. He's a reliable narrator at this point. And you have High kind of as a backup. Like, if somebody else is going to take control, it's going to be him. And, And that's kind of a fun push and pull, because they are logically similar, but uh, have different success rates, and that's kind of cool. Speaking of which, that brings us to our next theme here, which is this idea from the start that the most well-rounded person uh, will win the season. Uh, And early on, we flagged, like, this idea of brains and brawn forming a complete person maybe being a sub theme here and joe gun to my head i think the answer is maybe the story saying that brains and brawn are inherently incompatible at some point uh you're going to have to pick your pick your seat kind of thing Hmm. i know i think i i disagree with that i think if my read would be that it sort of did take a back seat we sort of jump to the extreme of like physicality dominates overall and i think we're gonna come back to it as the season goes on oh yeah maybe um oh you're totally right yeah no i i like that because if right now we're being splintered off between effectively brains and brawn like i know it's actually physically strong versus not physically strong but i think you could probably cipher in brains is the minority like i mean highs presented is very strong and omer is as well and they're in the like like intelligent strategic players and they're in that brawn alliance so maybe it isn't like maybe it is literally just physically versus not physically but maybe the answer of this season is and and being well-rounded is um fitting in both or being able to reach across the curtain or something like that. Like maybe that's Mm -hmm. what it really is, is being able to gel with anybody kind of like your Omer uh, right now in this position, but maybe somebody else does it, you know? Yeah. And I think it, it was really not as apparent this episode 
Which I think throughout the whole season, there's always been this line of like really pertaining to Jonathan. What if he just does win? Like, what if there's never a ch- good chance to get rid of him or they squander all their chances and Jonathan wins? So I think it could always be this sort of undermining or subversion of this theme. Like, a well-rounded person did not win, and that's what we think of as Survivor. Um, And I mean, we kind of did get that a little, because Mike has this weird line where he talks about how, like, maybe for once one of the physical people... Yeah will win when if you look at past winners like they're not they're not the jonathans of their season by any means but they weren't challenge slouches or anything for like the past few seasons or so that's very much happened so maybe it is wanting to push this narrative that well-rounded people quote-unquote usually win survivor but this time it's going to be someone different maybe yeah that could that could be very interesting and yeah you're totally right like you look at the 30s and it's like Ben into Wendell into, I mean, Nick's not exactly like, I would say Nick it counts, but you know, like into Chris, into Tommy, into Tony. Yeah, like, your two sort of exceptions are like Nick and Erica, maybe, but both of them definitely won challenges. So. Yeah, they, they both won, like Nick won the last three, like, even though he's not like big buff man, he's still not terrible. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of these physically strong people are making it pretty far. Uh, or winning like so it's like they're lying to us and that's an interesting thing yeah they definitely want us to believe like oh yeah the people they always get robbed at the end what a shame and then so yeah i think it's it's they're hyperbolizing the theme to make it much stronger than than it actually is so that's something to note and there's no contradiction like there are there is a contradiction on facts but there's nobody saying the opposite right like there's nobody saying oh actually though strong guys win all the time right like there's no uh there's no competing ideology there at all right it's just that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen even though we know it's true the average audience member doesn't and and so that's important to factor in and uh yeah so i also think there's something here like I, i do really think that Maybe I'm softening as we're talk as, as we're talking this out on this group as a whole. Um, and maybe it will be two from the seven and and two from uh, outside of it kind of form something. Uh, and that's well rounded. I do think this is gonna still be a positive Pagani like positive group thing. Uh, maybe we just haven't quite seen it yet. Maybe this is the strike force, not what more or less becomes strike force you know in, in david versus goliath so um definitely interesting there to say the least i also think it's interesting that i mean part of it is this well-rounded idea is having more depth than people initially expect so we have people before they meet jonathan being like big hulking goliath can't wait to vote him out and then they meet him and now everybody wants to work with him right it's uh, i thought he was scary but in fact, he's wonderful. Uh, it is definitely a theme here. You have um, a really beautiful scene, I think, with Marianne and Tori, where they're talking and, and Marianne's, like, smarter than she came off. And Tori's like, wow, there's more to you than I expected. Like, we're getting a lot of that of, like, oh, I thought you were X stereotype, and in fact, you are the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely see bits and pieces of that all over the place. Um, and throughout the season, too. Um, I think a bit with Romeo as well. Like, he's sort of playing outside of what is expected. Um, it's definitely apparent all across. Totally. Um, next up, we have the the one we kind of mentioned already here. But, I mean, I really think that this is still the, the main thrust here, is your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you. Obviously, we see in this episode, Omer go on a limb 
Like, out on a limb there for uh, Jonathan, we have Roxroy more or less describing his decision as wanting to save Drea, and Drea reciprocating that, right? Like, Drea's like, I have no doubts that Roxroy is going to do what's beneficial for me. You know, that's one way she relied on him uh, in that way, and, and we're seeing it all over the place. Definitely. Like, the people who stick together pay, <laughs> pay each other back in the end, unless you're uh hi mike and lydia <laughs> there's some yeah. issues there but it wasn't also i think that is sort of an interesting cliffhanger for us to be left on um we know hi and mike voted lydia we just don't know how the show is going to address that because on one hand there's this idea that if you if you make that very apparent that they're flipping it makes a very interesting vote less interesting um, but on the other hand, it does seem like such a curveball for those two. So, so yeah. But even then, maybe that can be painted. A lot, a lot has been done for just High and Mike in that relationship. Um, sort of the vote that tied on Lydia and Jenny sort of bringing them together. So... We'll see. But yeah, I think otherwise this is all over. And just this idea of providers as well. Like, Jonathan is constantly getting lauded for just what he brings to the survival element of it. Like, legitimate cases are made where it's like, we can't get rid of Jonathan because he will be such a boon to us just surviving here. Which I think in season 42 of Survivor, we don't dwell on as much anymore. So, yeah, I yeah, think... Yeah, not for nothing. I mean, it's, it's clear that there internal desire to help providers out right like they tried the checklist and go silent they tried so much over the years it seems like just not giving them rice really is the key for these uh provider types like you know people are saying like you know i need this person in the game basically that said obviously once their utility's gone, they're gone still. And if Jonathan didn't have an amazing social game, he'd probably be gone. But they're able to rationalize it a little bit more because of a good social game, because he is actually providing an actual valuable service to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely, even though I think sometimes the merge sort of is where, oh, it's just a game now. I feel like we still got stuff in this merge where people were like, I still need a provider, still need someone to feed me for these last 14 days. So, yeah, I'm not ready to get rid of Jonathan yet. Right, yeah, totally. Um, And yeah, I mean, for me, this continues to bode well for any groups. Like, I, I really think this is still a group thing, and it's such a weird thing to be... um highlighting because i really think that's gonna be the story here is, is this dominant group maybe we just saw it or maybe we saw what causes the important group i that's the missing piece for me um but yeah i mean look for people that are able to balance well in in a group so maintain that um we have uh yeah on that note i mean we have a lot on the flip side, kind of competing ideologies, right? We do have this idea of providers and their value and needing somebody to feed you. But you also have what Roxroy and no, sorry, it's uh, who says this? It's I didn't come here to eat, but I came here to play. A lot of people said it this week, right? Yeah, so a few different people. I mean, this was an episode where a lot of things I feel got reiterated a lot. So this idea that we didn't come here to eat, we came here to play, it said after the the losing group loses the challenge um i think they say it again in that same scene and then chanel definitely says it in one of her confessionals so just this idea yeah that that it's definitely not about the survival element all the time yeah and i mean for me it's it's interesting because this is the typical survivor winner thought right is like ignore food ignore 
the distractions of Survivor and just do it, right? Like, similar to what Roxroy was saying on uh, Exile Island of just like, get back up, do it again, do it again. Like, like Survivor winners are generally unfazed, right? Like, on average, you don't have them starving and crying. Like, they're not, they're not miserable. Um, And I, I think it's an interesting thing where so much is positive about the providing this season that I, I honestly think most of these game bots aren't looking very good in terms of their, their, their chances, right? Like, I feel like your Tories and, and stuff like that are, are mostly driving this plot, and it seems like they're alone. It seems like people are valuing each other more in this season than, than, in, in, than generally in modern Survivor. Yeah, they're very isolated. You sort of think of the craftiest person on each tribe right now. Chanel, Tori, Romeo, they're all sort of on islands on their own. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and it's, it's very, yeah, you're right. Like, it's an anti-strategy theme in general, I think. Like, there really is that uh, blood in the water, kind of, of, like, it's not strategy forward. Like, you want to be strategic, but, like, Jonathan, I think, has edited pretty positively this week, and he just says, the strategy's looking pretty good, or something like that. Like, there's no depth behind what he's saying. It's just, strategy looking good. <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like there's a anti-scheming story yeah, this season. You, you don't want to be portrayed as playing the game. Because I think that's what got to, like, Sothi, for instance, or Daniel. Like, people who play the game are not faring well. Sort of Lydia, too, yeah. where Omer very cleverly sort of put it as, like, oh, look at her, she's already going against this group and trying to be crafty. And even this episode, I think we're on to something here, Joe, this is... Ad hoc, by the way, listeners. Uh, This week, Marianne has a confessional where she's basically just like, when I talk to people, I don't even say anything. I wait for them to say something. And then I say, oh, yeah, I agree with that. And then they get blamed for it. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, that kind of sums up this game in a lot of ways, how it's gone so far. Of Let somebody else pitch a plan, i.e. Lydia pitching, maybe doing Jonathan. Omar uses that to sink her. You know what I mean? Like, that is a very... Uh, cutting way to sum it up. So I actually think adding that here as a main one is is definitely wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we have always wondered, especially with these two seasons, focus on, on what Survivor used to be, the sort of survival aspect of it. I think we're kind of seeing it go back to it's not about the game. It's about surviving. As like, weirdly, <laughs> they're, they're not, not parallel, not perpendicular, but like... They they don't go quite the same way. So I don't know. It's it's interesting to see them definitely play them off against one another. Totally. Yep. And so that's the thing is like all of this to me is is pointing to somebody that is a like I really think it's like a good enough winner. I've been saying this a lot, but I don't think we're looking for the peak of the peak. I, re- I really think we're looking for somebody who's like, ah, they checked enough boxes, you know, like, here's your winner. Yeah, not someone who is constantly making moves to get to the end, but is just sort of in the right places yeah. to get there and win. Yeah, even if they have significant weaknesses, it's like they're rounded off by something else. Like, you know, they're they're able to excel at something else and therefore they're well-rounded in a way, right? Like, that's what I'm, I'm really looking for. And a lot of these themes are pointing to a group, good enough winner, like not, I don't think they're going to top anyone's winner ranking, you no, know? like... Uh, that's kind of where I'm looking, and that's where most of my contenders are as well. You know, like, 
people who I think satisfy those conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a couple more here. Like, obviously, this week, we, there's a lot of focus. And this there's always sort of here, but I, I think was here a little bit more. I don't think we have a clear idea of what it is yet. But this idea of authenticity, especially Marianne brings this up. At Tribal, of, like, being yourself. Um, you have Mike and uh, Jonathan, obviously, being like, you don't have to hide. Like, you can just, <laughs> like, people think you're a big dummy, but you're not. Uh, you have this with Mike in episode one of, like, people always think I'm a jerk, but I'm not. I'm, I'm really, I'm myself, and I hope these people give me a chance to do that. It's all over here. Um, and, and, like, those are all people that I think are in, in pretty good favor right now. Mm-hmm. There's also the scene with High and Romeo, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah, a lot of talk about being yourself and being confident in yourself this episode. I think that hasn't been the most present throughout. Agreed. Um, especially, I think, in our mythical preseason episode that never came out, we talked about how the interviews didn't ask anything about authenticity, whereas season 41's did. And so it seemed like they just weren't focused on that this season. But it was definitely really strong here. So I don't know if those are just good good moments to point out when you have a whole, a new group of people coming together and finding links and all of that. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of weird that it did become the focus point of the tribal council. But mm-hmm. uh, it's all like and they have it, Drea just absolutely despising Marianne from what we can tell. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know, a strange one for it to be focused on, but then again, it could be another point where it's easy to be like, here are 12 people all being themselves or some version of themselves. And so mm-hmm. I think that's when it is this sort of not firmly established lines with so many numbers, I think that's an easy one to latch on to. Absolutely. Um, we have a couple more, you know, like I think this idea of Survivor's roller coaster only having one shot, having to make the most of it, I think mm-hmm. it is absolutely a story of the season, right? Like, uh, this week, though, it kind of took a back burner, right? Like, I think people like Marianne and Mike and stuff like that have been really pushing this idea. And this week, I feel like it was a whole lot more, like, wait. Except for Omer, who in episode one says his game is going to be about waiting for the perfect time to strike and then doing it, and we do see that happen. So, interesting. Like, I I think we're seeing a lot here of, like, doing, like, the idea of Survivor's poker and having to pick the right choices to go all in when to check etc like they're doing a pretty good job and i think last season we gave a lot of credit to them doing amazing parallels with the prisoner dilemma not only in the twist or or whatever but in individual relationships or deciding who to leave or or whatnot this season i really think it is about this poker analogy of figuring out the exact timing i feel like this is a season about timing more than it is about risk like it was last season Mm -hmm. yeah i think those are accurate reads i know hi said something about folding and it kind of piqued my Mm -hmm. attention but it was more like folding folding into yeah that's what i thought um yeah the baking sense of folding not (laughs) not not poker folding unfortunately but yeah like it's it's I don't know. It's I, I. So on that note, I mean, with what we're saying, I'm imagining a winner story looking something like this. They took the like, you know, they they played optimally with their group, made strong bonds, were themselves unconditionally, and then waited for the perfect time to make a move that flipped the game into their favor. And that timing is respected, and that's what 
carries them to the win. Like, I really think that's what it's going to be about. Um, there's a lot of stuff about adaptability uh, in this season as well. Um, and, and another way to say adaptable is kind of rolling with the punches and knowing mm. the perfect time, knowing who to be at the right time uh, so that you can strike at the right time. Like, I think this is really a season about timing, about groups, about when's the right time to cut your group and when's the right time to roll with it. And I, I really think that's probably going to be what we're viewing the winner at post this season. Like, you know, they, they, they didn't do a whole lot, but when they needed to, they did the right thing. Yeah, it's a very Tommy type of winner, I feel. I mean, except I think what you're getting at is there's going to be one point where it's very apparent that they did the right thing. And I think Tommy's is sort of even less than that, where he sort of just rid it oh, did the right and thing. was just always in a good spot and no one ever challenged that. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, I think we might be viewing how Erica maybe should have been edited. Like, that's almost where I'm leaning. Like, I don't think we're getting an Erica-style winner. Don't get me wrong. I think we're getting kind of what maybe should have been presented with Erica of, like, she waits, she waits, she waits, she kills Shan, and then is now in control of the game, right? Like, something like that, I feel like, is the right thing we should be looking for. The only difference is, I mean, obviously, Erica was presented as extremely weak um, <laughs> the entire season, more or less. Uh, I don't think that's what we're getting. I think we're getting a few notches above there. Maybe we're looking for like a Nick style or, or something like that, you know, like um, fairly middle of the pack, but able to strike when needed. Um, hopefully that kind of makes sense. Almost, you know, like kind of like Sarah Lucina in her season. She's pretty quiet early, uh, but when she becomes the main character, it, it's pretty undeniable and she's taking right opportunities and stuff. That's sort of what I'm looking for. But mm. and I mean, we have a couple like the only other one left is like this idea of the monster in the horror movie. I don't think it was super relevant this week, but... Yeah, I really brought it down the list. Usually it's the first one we touch on. We can easily point to a scene or anything. I guess, thinking about it, maybe it's the sort of stakes of that first challenge. Um, just Drea getting kicked in the face and just... <laughs> it's much more this idea of extremism. Like, the stakes are high. Um, like something, something like happens and it, it it matters to on a, like a physical level. Yeah, I don't know. I, that, to me, it's sort of just not not as apparent. Like I definitely saw these these threads early on, but they are sort of waning. And it's also hard to imagine the season going in a really sort of scary direction. I guess. Yeah, it doesn't feel like, feel like... Been a story. Like honestly, yeah, it doesn't feel like this cast has a lot of horror left in them. I'm totally with you. Like they left the blood paint in episode one, Joe. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's good. So, I, and I think we've kind of, I think, are you kind of agreeing there with me in terms of like what this winner's gonna look like? Um, I I could see it. I'm just not seeing the right person for the job. That's what kind of is perplexing yeah. is like, I see what you're getting at, but like these edits don't really showcase that because it has been so evenly edited. Everyone's kind of here and I get their story. Yeah. I think it's not really a fully established thought, so I was kind of hesitant to say, but the idea about it being what Erica's edit could have been was kind of having me thinking like, yes, I get how these beats sort of correspond to what Erica was. I don't think Erica was weak per se it was more that she just wasn't relevant and then i sort of look at my contenders list and they're all men and i'm kind of like hmm <laughs> like that's where i'm kind of reading now is like i think there's a, a case that if one of my contenders win and they don't have these big apparent strategic moments 
or depth, like sort of in the same way Erica was, where was, she made the move she needed, but it wasn't all the way across. I, it, it would raise some questions, I think. Like, why were these two people so vastly differently edited? But yeah. that's that's a question for much, much later in the season. <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. Um, And you're right. Like, the hard part here is last season, there was literally, like, like we could cut off, like, who is getting content and who is not. And we started literally at one point considering all the people who were not getting content, right? Because of how heavy-handed the themes were and how none of the people getting content stories was really congruent at all. And yeah, it turned out the person who won was not getting much content. Mm-hmm. This And so you could kind of sum that up as big player, small players. If you're a small player, you're not on the TV show. This season, everybody's on the TV show, A+. plus. But it does mean that some of these themes of being an underdog are less immediately obvious, right? Last season, we talked a lot about how, well, clearly they have an issue editing an underdog because they don't know how to do it other than, or like a come from nowhere winner, because they don't know how to do it other than not put them on the show and then all of a sudden they're there, right? Like that's how they edited come from behind winner with Erica was not there and now is here and, and now is, is all powerful, basically. Um, uh-huh. I think it was very sloppy. This season, everybody's here, so you you can rule off come from behind winner, right? Because we've seen what they do with that, and it's the clumsiest thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, So, I mean, it's probably something in the middle. So, uh, definitely interesting for sure. So, let's jump into these people uh, and start with... Chanel. Yeah, to sort of spoil ahead for a while, we'll just be sort of crawling up my list from the very bottom, because Chanel is now firmly in last place. <laughs> like, just not a great episode. Like, to compare with the last viable person we'll discuss, which is Tori, like, I still kind of get, like, Tori's story of, like, we'll find a place to fit in, but hasn't. Chanel just seems universally maligned, literally just kind of wanders around the beach looking for anyone to talk to her. Just, I I left this episode being like, why is Chanel still here other than the fact that she had immunity? Like, she feels very incongruent to the rest of the season now yeah i'm pretty much i'm I'm with you there as well she is my last and you're right like this is like almost my survivor nightmare like like you know how terrible it is when you walk up to a group of people and they don't want to talk to you that sucks like like that's one of the very worst things in all of life you know, you go to talk to somebody and they clearly don't want to reciprocate that conversation. Mm-hmm. So I felt so bad for her. I can't believe they used the same excuse twice. Like That was yeah, so I, sloppy. I think the takeaway from those two scenes was like, if you're going on Survivor, like figure out a way to like loop people in when they come up to you because they completely failed the first time. And then Hai was like, Chanel is coming. We need to keep talking and then still manage to not get it together. So like, I think that silence and then, Oh, spear fishing. Like, yeah, I, I think it's a very hard skill to do, but yeah. it, it does seem like something where if you figured it out, you would be on such a, a like better Plane. I think that is kind of one of Kim's strengths that's hard to quantify is that she could always make people feel comfortable. Like there's some talk about the Kim smile. Like she would always make you feel like you were in the know. 
And yeah, I think a lot of people, they get their numbers and they're in the alliance, but then they struggle yeah. when it comes to dealing with the people who aren't. Even Tommy or, or Wendell, right? Like, I think a lot of winners are um, connected by the tissue of they have the skill of making everybody feel included, right? Like a teacher has that. Right? That's kind of the job of a teacher. I think that's why Tommy did so well, right? Like, like you have to, you know, do your lesson or make your plan or whatever in Survivor. Uh, and But you still have to make everybody learn and you also have to make sure everybody feels included and, and, and that's important in being a teacher it's also important in life i think that's why we do see a lot of these people like wendell given the shell to sebastian and stuff like that like these are really game winning moves that are hard to present on tv until you see the opposite where they can't do it like no one in that group is capable of it mm-hmm. so yeah i mean well speaking of chanel um yeah it, it, so her story is pretty janky at this point um like would it be wrong to say joe like her story is okay so how do i put this so one thing i wanted to highlight actually is sort of a uh, a plot thing that uh this season actually done a pretty good job of of introducing an idea it not being relevant immediately but being relevant maybe three episodes later for example daniel losing stuff losing the idol you know etc etc um this one i actually think is kind of interesting when chanel loses her vote in that uh almost rocks tribal she has a confessional about controlling the game without a vote and she fails she fails miserably right like she (laughs) explodes her game effectively right is the story uh she's basically the reason she's dead last on her winner equity list is because of how she played that round this round we saw omer control the game without having a vote like chanel wanted to against Mm. chanel's interest very beautiful storytelling there but generally i think the story chanel is has the right ideas but can't do them is is uh has a good mind for the game and no execution yeah yeah i think that's very fair i could very much see her being the next to go yeah she would be i think my pick right like yeah I, i don't think she's in it for much longer um she doesn't have a story anymore right like she has some aversion to mike and high right like she has that story but like this it did not take her side at all. Like, this is somebody who got kind of clowned on by these people, and she didn't really get to comment or, or get any sort of, like, I've got my eyes on them. It was just like, no one wants to talk to me. Like, th- there's no, um, like, she didn't become an underdog. Yeah, the only person she was able to point out was not being truthful with her was Lydia, and then Lydia yeah. went. So, yeah, there's really no one left for her to be be above in this in this game. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Like, it's just she's just, uh, she's just kind of, she's just kind of there and you know sometimes people are able to live a couple rounds while their story's over but i I think her story's over as far as it presented maybe she's going to continue to walk up to more like unless her story is walking up to groups and they're silent like but that's more (laughs) of like a gimmick you know like i think we probably see that more like and and no shade to chanel but it also seems like as much as the faults on the group for not including her to me it seemed like she was very sloppy like she just kind of walked up and said sup and then never said anything else like it seemed like she was creeping up creeping up on them that's not a good survivor skill Mm -hmm. yeah i think if anything i feel they could have sort of prepped chanel's story this way to give us one more episode of them sort of really playing with the other 10 people as they form new relationships in the merge and then be another like oh chanel's going so yeah um, before it maybe gets a tad more interesting at 10 hopefully yeah i I think of the people who aren't in this alliance chanel definitely feels the one who like her goose is most cooked like it's not going to change in any foreseeable way right like romeo has like he's now paranoid romeo and he's like like you know like we have like that story emerge for him 
Oh, spoiler alert for the rest of, uh, you know, the, the our discussion here. But, you know, like, Tori's now positioned as an underdog. Uh, we have, um, you know, Mary Ann. It's like, is she, she, is she in the alliance? Is she not? That's everybody, right? Like, that's everybody outside of it. Everybody else has a story except for Chanel. Yeah. Chanel isn't getting stuff that's like, I can make my way out of this. She just feels very, yeah. like, waiting for her time. So, ugh, rip Chanel. I, I think there's a chance maybe she is able to survive a couple rounds and like maybe makes a move like but it's so weird because they're, we're not like like she's kind of treated like a joke a little bit so I'm mm-hmm. apprehensive there but I don't know yeah I, I hope not because I do like her um but not looking bright um let's jump here to drea so i'm yeah joe talk to me about drea i'm curious your thoughts there i think it's really interesting to go straight from chanel to drea because chanel is very clearly on the lowest rung of the ladder in terms of this tribe drea is maybe the top person on the ladder and well i i think there's some play there but she's very clearly like a power figure who's not really in danger and yet i also don't see her winning because her content just doesn't really line up with that like it's not i'm in control i've done all the right things it it still just feels really patchy and yeah it just doesn't work i have her right above chanel in terms of winner like it this does not feel like what they would have given drea if she are winning it feels like they really prioritize like great character great like game player almost but not a winner a couple things first i completely i think she is the top like i think she's in the best position of the game Mm -hmm. like she's got so many relationships inside that alliance like with rox roy with mike she's clearly close to she also seemingly has a bond with marianne she's got a great relationship with romeo got a great relationship with tori you know what i mean like i'm maybe not great with tori but not the worst right like Mm -hmm. i feel like yeah she really has the most relationships here in this game. Um, I am way higher on her than you are. I don't have her <laughs> second last, at least. Um, middle of the pack. Like, I think there's a world she wins. There's definitely some weird uh, focus with her, like with Romeo, etc. That said, I feel like it probably means that that's just more of an important relationship than it is one of them's winning. Um, but to me, it, it bodes well for their longevity at the very least. I think Drea's probably a good pick for making finale episode. Um, I, I agree her winner chances aren't the best because other than having stuff, um, and I, maybe worthwhile to mention, one theme I thought about putting in there was like artillery or, or having things, you know, like people wanting, uh, and, and really it's your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you, right? I, I think it's this idea of like, oh, she has thing, so I want to keep her in the game, to, so it's in my favor. Um, that's beneficial for her. I don't know, it's, you're right, like her story's not there. <laughs> really isn't um but i just don't have her that low like i i think there's totally a world mm-hmm. where like and this isn't meant to be shade to drea i just i don't think she's giving ever gonna give particularly complex confessionals or like she does not seem to um like how do you put this uh tie the game to her life in any meaningful way ever right like it is she seems very matter of fact um in general and I think it might be kind of hard to scrape together like deep emotional content for Drea. Yeah, I I think one of the things that really threw me off was last episode we had such a deep connection formed between Drea and Romeo, and that was really building on things that had come before. So they both really got boosted from that, and then to see this episode where Drea's in such a power position and Romeo is in not, and have very little acknowledgement or explanation of it. Really... Mind, this, this could be two weeks. What do you mean? Like, 
in a different universe, this is uh, a ton of Drea Romeo content, right? Like, form their bonds. And then two weeks of nothing, where next week would be actually be okay. three weeks from then. Okay, so you're, you're like, accentuating my point, then. Yeah. What... Okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, uh, but yeah, yeah, there's, like, nothing. Like, they're separate. They're on separate sides. They didn't vote together. I think it throws me for both spoilers. Like, Romeo's not a contender anymore for me. But I think it's even weirder for Drea, who I think her winner chances rely on Romeo sort of helping her get there. Yep, and indeed. we're not seeing that at all. See, my my actual it's it's weird because I'm I'm agreeing with you how you're getting there, and then I'm disagreeing with the conclusion. The reason for that, I'm basically putting plot armor around Drea until that Romeo story pops up. I think that is deep enough of a story that it's going to matter, especially that they chose to do it in the last pre-merge episode. Um, so I, I think we're, we are still going to get the story of Romeo coaching Drea, or maybe failing to coach Drea, or something like that. Um, oh, yeah. And, and so that gives her plot armor, and I think Romeo's here for the long haul, um, or at least long haul might be the wrong word, but more than next week, you know? Like, I think he's here yeah. for good chunk of time um and that's good for drea because that gives time for maybe this physical alliance to break down and then maybe they do become more of a complex duo right like maybe they do become a well-rounded making each other perfect or whatever like that's totally still in the cards for drea and so because i can see an act three for her she's higher than a lot of these people who i think are their story are is either over or there there's not more depth gonna come you know? Mm-hmm. And I think to bounce back off of that, I definitely see, especially in a season that has taken care to address its past episodes, like return to past concepts, I definitely see where Drea and Romeo are going to come back together. I just don't think either of them will do it in a way that leads to the win, I That's guess. That's totally fair as well. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, like, I don't have her in my top five. She might be six, though. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. um, Which is still like, only barely 50%, right? Or not not even 50%. But still, it's like, I wouldn't die if she won. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be... I, I wouldn't be thinking of this as some um, radical departure from from tr- traditional survivor storytelling if she wins. Mm. I think it would just be she's probably not as verbose as they'd like um, for a winner, and so they softened her a little bit in terms of story stuff. But like she's a captivating character, she's got a story. Um, can totally see it be the win. Any other thoughts on? I guess where do you where do you think she's going? Like like placement wise. Mm, that was tricky. I think I think finale Obviously. finale night's not bad. Maybe early. Like, I'd say sort of 8th to 5th is my sort of range. That is probably where I'm leaning to. Like, I think she gets out of this. I mean, also, how do you even get her out of the game for a while? Right? Like, um, <laughs> she got a lot of stuff. Um, so that gives her a lot of armor. And then I think she has plot armor. So I agree. I think she's comfortably hmm. out of this arc and, and into the next one. And, and where she is there determines whether she can go all the way or not, I think. That brings us to high. And see... Joe, I'm very curious what you think, because for me, High dropped off the cliff for me this week. I've always kind of had him in contention, um, but at this point, I think his story is pretty close to over, um, and he's I think he's just um, Ricard, Shan, pick your distraction person. I, I think it's very clear it's him at this point. 
Um, him voting Lydia, I think, is pretty unforgivable. Obviously, I think he's gonna have a Mia Culpa next episode, like, either way, you know, like, obviously, they're not gonna show him learning it, because that sucks, or, or, like, deciding, because that's gonna suck all tension away. But I just think there's enough in this episode, like, him and Romeo. It's a scene about High and Romeo, but it's about Romeo, right? There's enough of these scenes, I think, with High and Mike. I think it's more about Mike. I think with, like, he is the, um, the mirror for other people to see themselves in and reflect on. He is not the the main character himself. Yeah, I I mean, I've never been high on high. It continues. I think his his story makes a little more sense than Drea to me in that he's always been a strong character and like his content makes more sense. I do agree that the Lydia vote is this sort of weird nail in the coffin where yes, I do expect it to get some sort of rationalization. But I almost think if he's our winner, it's almost he is more of the swing vote sort of sense. Like I know it's the last scene is Omer going to High and Mike and saying, hey, what are what do you think? But it's definitely not this decision of like, this is a really hard decision and I need to do what's best for my game. It's instead like, no, we can't get rid of Lydia. I have to do other things. And then that's not not the case at all. So, yeah, it's just, he's a big character. I think he's a really um, good character for the show, but it's not the right story beats for a winner, again. like Yeah, I mean, especially when I'm talking about this, like, anti-strategy or anti-intellectual or, or something, like, you know, like, anti-scheming. Mm. He's the one who doesn't fit that at all, right? And similar to Chanel, he's getting his kneecaps cut open, right? Because... So this week he says in episode seven, so the the second part of this episode, he opens up the episode with saying, you know, it's this powerful scene where all these people are opening up to each other, right? Like, um, like that's what a lot of this was. We talked about, you know, you have Mike and Omer, you have um Romeo and High and all these people, right? Uh, and you have High basically just say everybody's opening up and bonding and sharing or whatever, which is great. But I care about agency. And when he said that, I basically crossed him off my list completely. Um, because that's not what the story's about. The story's about caring about the people around you and 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 building a good bond and all that sort of stuff, being well rounded. Uh, and, and High's about kill your enemies and keeping your agency and he doesn't even do that right it's it's the same as chanel they are talking the talk but they're not walking the walk um he just voted out his number one ally in a season all about protecting your allies all about having uh you know trust and faith in each other uh he's cutting them without explanation and it's not even he isn't even presenting it ever as like he wants to devote more into this group than anything else this whole episode He's talking about how close he is with Lydia, and then she's gone, and he did it. And, and I don't think there's anything that can um, establish that more. You could have easily presented him as willing to cut anybody, but they're not. They're not. They're saying he's saying he wants to cut his enemies. He has a hit list. He's gonna get them no matter what, and he doesn't. He misses and kills his ally instead. Like he's an assassin. He's got the sniper on the the scopes on the person on Chanel's head, and then his best friend dies instead by accident. That's not your winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's as simple as saying he needs agency. He absolutely doesn't get it like someone else gets it and as a result of that he's voting the person he almost went to rocks for off like yeah 
I think it's just not lining up totally, especially within the stories we're given, too. Yeah, and, like, I think they clearly like him. I feel like expect him on another season, probably. Um, And, like, yeah, just, like, all the scenes about him, like, he has a confessional where he says, I'm a driver, I can't take the back seat. That's not what this story's about. Like, it's just not, um, yeah, not he, how the story goes. He brought up passengers and at Tribal Council and flashbacks of season 38 came to us. But yep. that's it's not a season about pilots and passengers if like, anything this is a season about well, why being a passenger is not so bad you know you get a free like you know there's there's peanuts and you can chill out and like uh you can look at the window and see the clouds and then maybe when you need to you can parachute off and do something like that's what this is more about i think than like more like ferris bueller like take a minute and just enjoy where you are where you are right like more than uh than kill everybody uh for like you know kill the people who offer you a, a hand kind of thing you know like this isn't valar morghulis season this is a chill out have a good time season mm-hmm. and also joe i don't even think he's gonna last very long at this point i think honestly i wouldn't like I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves next week. I don't know how it happens, but I, I think his story is over, and I think he's, like, wherever he places now, I think it's going to be soon. Like, I could see it next week, I could see it the week after. Um, I don't think he's Ricard. Like, I don't think he's going to go that far. Maybe he can, but I think we're on his uh, his uh, dying days. Yeah, I think the opposite. I think he's here till finale. Oh, I cool. don't know. I just, yeah, I feel feel like he's here for a while and he is that main sort of character main distraction that does stick around for a while i i, I hope you're right like i really like for me i'm almost like chanel feels too obvious to the point where i wouldn't be surprised if somehow she, maybe she finds an idol or something like that and takes out high like i could really see that being a possibility um yeah so i don't know um that's that's good on high i guess uh, cool that we're we get to the same destination but like a different way so that's kind of fun it's like our own drea and marianne yeah yeah um that brings us to jonathan and i'm very like i don't know about you joe but um i am regretting how much i dropped jonathan last week um i'm very high on him again um this was a fantastic episode for jonathan both in how he played like i think i think he deserves a lot of credit here for mm. surviving the show but also this was exactly what he needed if jonathan's gonna be the winner yeah i think I definitely got what you said about, like, both in how he played and how he was presented. Like, he played in such a way that got him past this vote where, where like he said, I would vote myself out. And I think that does a lot of work for for me thinking about, like, how does he make it to the end? And it's like, well, these people clearly aren't aren't immediately wanting to vote him out. So I think he's in a good spot now. And then also presentation-wise, yeah, it made sense for why Jonathan's still a good character to win this. I, I I mean, there was last episode where he sort of did turn a bit, but it feels like it makes sense. It's still just sort of setting up um, Jonathan versus Marianne more than anything. Um, yeah, I still think... Yeah, I I was lower on him last week, but I'm, I'm back up. He's a contender now. Like, yeah. I, I see it very very decently so yeah like i'm really like honestly last week a lot of my change like more or less joe i went back to what i was thinking the week before last week you know what i mean like i feel like uh last week a lot of my conclusions i i basically reverted back uh to where i was warm um and that is with jonathan right in there 
with a really good shot to win. And you're right, like we see it game layout wise, like on the beach. Jonathan might be one of the best players, right? Like he's freaking incredible. Um, and I think he deserves a lot of credit there. Um, but at the same time, also, yeah, the stories are lining up way better for him now. He didn't, I'm glad we did, like, I thought there was a chance we were going to start getting villain Jonathan last week. Um, and I maintain that's a mixed episode, um, into a positive episode, right? So I, I think that, that, like, him turning, like, villain or, like, bad guy, uh, is off the table at this point. I think he's the hero. Um, and sometimes the hero wins Survivor. Oftentimes they don't, right? Like, he could easily leave at any point right and that's the tricky part with this type of player is they are the best comparison is rupert right like he's the closest comparison to rupert that we've had in a long time um and rupert could win the season in pearl islands very easily or he's freaking rupert and he's gonna look really good and shining for the most part and have a developed story and that's the tricky part with the character like this is you're not sure whether they cross the threshold into winner or not. And so he's going to look pretty close, but distinct. Um, and there aren't many Rupert-style winners in Survivor. There's a lot of Rupert-style fifth-placers or whatever. Um, and that seems less likely for Jonathan. Like, somehow I feel like... But I, and that's the other tricky part here is so much of Jonathan's wrapped up in uh, edit versus logic. And you're like, logically, they'd vote him out if he ever loses at, like, seven or eight or something. But then, edit-wise, it seems like he's there for long haul and in finale or something and if he's in finale you have to imagine he's winning you know Mm -hmm. yeah i think i've seen a lot of people sort of talk about how jonathan and marianne have this interesting sort of shared fate where they're both getting edits that are very like what they would get regardless of where they placed and i think there was a point where you could see Jonathan's as like, oh, this makes a ton of sense for like someone who goes at the merger when they're first vulnerable. Um, but now that it's gone across that point and it wasn't just a fluke, like he was totally vulnerable, like had his name out there and then yeah, he has an alliance to keep him around. That's what sort of really pushes him into there. Like I could still see him go whenever this group decides, yeah, we can't push it one more time. That seems really risky, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like it is happening anytime soon. I totally agree. Yeah. Like, um, and, and yeah, like it's, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine him not being a contender moving forward. And like, obviously if he gets like extreme negativity or honestly, if like last week, we basically got the emergence of the story of he needs to be able to control his anger because if he lets it out at all at any point, it's over for him. That's that's his one, like, doubt, right? Yeah. And that can always pop off. That could pop off in finale. That could, you know what I mean? That could be your um, Laurel Johnson special of, like, oh, this Brad Culpepper special, right? Then probably more apt, right? Of... All of a sudden, they're a different character at the finale or something. That's totally in the cards for Jonathan. Um, I don't think it is. Like, there's so much positivity on him. I doubt it. Um, but, like, I'm trying to think of anything that would be doubt. That's why, for me, because of those factors, he's not number one. Um, even though I think he might be the most likely to win in a weird way. Like, like right now on the beach, I think he's probably the most likely winner. Uh, but edit-wise, and the fact that he could look, like, heroic seventh place or something, give enough that he's not in that upper stratosphere but he's in my top four yeah i think the thing is he spelled out this way in which he could go very quickly and once again it's a season where they are very like they pay attention to what has been said before and that comes up again later on so i think with that sort of idea that if i do one thing out of line like it gives people 
all the ammunition they need to get rid of me. I think that's why he sort of could go at any time. And it's just not as solid. It, it is this very, like, yes, he makes a ton of sense to win, but he's not such an apparent winner, I think. Agreed. And it's weird because he kind of has to overcome that idea. Like, him and him and Marianne, no matter what fates, are linked in some way, right? And for him to win, he needs to get rid of Marianne in a way that he does not become a monster himself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that happens. Um, And that is, like... That's the one danger zone there for him is one, he looks like an like a really good person to become a villain. Just, you know, like it's not hard to imagine how you make Jonathan eventually a villain or at least antagonist in, in, in some capacity, right? Um, and that's totally a possibility. Yeah. And that's that's where my ice is there a little bit. So I mean, gun to my head, like I have no idea where he places. Not next week or too soon, I don't think. But it could easily be in, like, 7th to 5th kind of thing. Or finale. You know, like, final tribal. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on Jonathan? I do not have any. I cannot believe he ate 18 eggs. And gross. And, man, like, dude. A lot of cholesterol. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that would make me topple over. I have to. I would go into cardiac arrest. <laughs> so, I mean, ugh, But, I don't know. He, he's pretty fun, too. I, I actually like him a lot as a character, I think he adds a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's jump here to Lindsay, who I think debatably had a pretty good episode, right? Like, still is too quiet, right? But she's in the majority. She's clearly playing pretty well. Um, Yeah, I don't know. What do you think of uh, Lindsay, Joe? Such a weird character. I was so excited when we saw that it was Lindsay and Roxroy were the ones who drew the odd rocks out. I was like, yes, I'm right. Lindsay is going to go to Exile Island and get this amazing moment. I mean, I still don't know if she's winning because of it. And then she didn't. Roxroy went and instead and so yeah now i'm left even more confused like what is Lindsay's purpose here she does have these like vaguely good scenes yeah like like she was trying to do things at least with this vote it didn't work out but she wasn't shown as like completely in the wrong either so i yeah i i am most perplexed on where Lindsay is going in this game yeah, I have no freaking idea, right? Both of these episodes, she gets, like, CP1 confessional. You know what I mean? Like, she's just there. I, I've i been um, more or less avoiding the discussion for the most part this season. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people have her very high. Like, she kind of looks like what people describe winter edits looking like sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, just kind of there for no reason and, and being very strategically complex and then vanishing you know like um the only issue really for her is like she's sort of positioned as just like jonathan's backup (laughs) like so i could easily see a world where she gets split on or something and leaves right like this week she talks about wanting to save him and going after marianne because and sort of being the um one bringing back into fold the marianne jonathan conflict right like she's the one to kind of keep that alive this week and reaffirms that her and jonathan are super tight um but she does talk a lot about relationship she gets that good scene with the amulet like so hard to know what is actually going on with her you know yeah i think the thing that throws me off is she's the one who just hasn't had a time in the spotlight at all like, yeah she's everyone the one. else yeah everyone else here like we we get them like Lindsay is always like second to other things going on like, of course, she had the drama of Taku, and she's, like, useful in all their individual scenes, too, but she's not 
the focus. And I don't know. Yeah, there was a moment where with her like constant content, I think people were like, yeah, Lindsay, she is clearly a player. But I think that's sort of even fallen off across the board because everyone's like, it's never enough. Like it's all these little moments, but we we never see it. And that's why I kind of like when you were talking about someone who rises up and has their moment, like I think Lindsay kind of fits best into that. It's just mm. that it already feels too late for that to happen. Like, yeah, we've not seen the point where Lindsay makes herself known. Maybe she survives do or die. And that's the big the big change. Um, <laughs> well, maybe she dies. In it, I don't know. Um, yeah, like, I, you're totally right, and it's weird, she doesn't have a story other than liking Jonathan, right? Like, that's her story, everybody else does have one, um, mm-hmm. you're right, she hasn't had any spotlight at all, but she's been in every episode, and maybe has had a confessional in every episode, potentially. Like, you know, like, she, she's there, she's more visible than some of these people overall, like, it's weird. Um, it's almost like there's, like, a mandate that they have to give, like, one vaguely strategic confessional from Lindsay an episode. <laughs> it reminds me a lot, like, at this point, I think you made this comparison last week, but, like, she's Ashley Nolan, right? It, uh, you know, star of Triple H, in case anybody can't remember, uh, who was, like, Miller Road for the entire season or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's what she is. Like, I feel like you could argue every single week she's, like, Middle, middle Road something. Um, and I don't know what to do with that. I guess she comes, what does Ashley come sixth or something? Like, that's where I think she's going to yeah. go. Yeah, I could see in the same way Lydia went for High, who's a much bigger character. Um, Lindsay could go in place of Jonathan. Yeah, I totally like, agree. Sort of weaken that. But yeah, I think sometimes there's just these people who don't have a clear fit into the rest of the narrative. And yeah, I guess that would sort of make me think maybe the amulets aren't going to be as huge as... Oh, yeah, and she could easily get cut for that, too. Yeah. Yeah, so actually, I'm kind of maybe softening a little bit on my um, sixth place at... I mean, also, sometimes you do just get the finale. The only thing that differentiates a finale boot from anybody else is like they have something, you know, like uh, Denise or whatever, or like the... Uh, what was it? What what was her nickname for Colin Sandra? The Queen the Queen. Slayer? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, they need something like that. Like, that's really all they need. And, like, maybe Lindsay satisfies that. But I think more, now that we're talking, I think it's way more likely that Lindsay leaves for the amulet or for Jonathan or, or something that's not really her fault. And they like her like, and, and they just couldn't find a spot for her. If they do that split tribal twist where it's two groups of five... And she oh, just yeah, she's dead, goes yeah. there. Yeah, I could see that. Oh, and yeah, that will happen, right? Because it's the same format. Ah, inter- yeah, so, I mean, pray for Lindsay coming soon. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's good for Lindsay there. Yes. Um, Let's jump here to Marianne, who <laughs> I think had a phenomenal episode, Joe. Yeah, really well-structured, like, legitimate, like, good, like, game content. Like, yeah. I feel like we understand our place in the game. And how she could make it to the end and win, rather than just, like, cheery, positive, good character Marianne. Yeah, she completely changed characters, basically, this week. Like, except for at Tribal, where, you know, it's you you still get annoying Marianne there with Drea. But other than that, it was more about showing a depth to her. More about almost taking the goofiness out of it, right? She had a crying confessional this week, you know? She Mm -hmm. had uh, Tori saying, oh my goodness, there's more to you than I would have ever 
never expected. Like, we get her defining game philosophy, right? And and we haven't had that yet, right? Like, we know at the start she's gonna make risks and, and stuff like that, play unconditionally herself. But this week we know, oh, actually, she views the game as basically giving other people the rope to hang themselves with, right? Like, there, there's more depth to Marianne than we've seen. And to me, she shot... I mean, I had her... I guess in the same spot last week, but the win equity is way different for me. I am now viewing her as like a top contender. Um, and the reason for that, honestly, it's it's what I just mentioned about the game philosophy. It's the softening off of her edges a little bit, but most importantly, honestly, it's the um uh the that line of the shields or whatever, like introducing her uh perspective on what was it uh, you know a problem now is a shield later or whatever that ropes her into that shield physical alliance thing in a way that gives her longevity my worry for her is she idles somebody out next week and then leaves the one after whereas i think she might actually be a good contender for the person who's on the outs but they it's literally ridiculous for me so um and sorry i'm rambling a little bit here but i have a lot of marianne thoughts um <laughs> We basically have this Goldilocks-esque situation, right? Where you have them all talking, like the physical alliance forms, and they're talking about who else they have. And they're like, Chanel, too schemey, can't trust her. And then you have uh, them talking about Tori, and they're like, mm, can't trust anything she says. Like, she's just not a good ally. And then Marianne, also outside of the alliance, but didn't do anything wrong at all. Like, what? And then Jonathan says he's he throws out Marianne's name just so people don't think they're too close, And but she didn't do anything wrong. Like, it just is like, they give her the softest, uh, softest um, landing pad ever for, like, a, a light dusting, you know? Like, she's gonna get clowned on a little bit here, but we're gonna make sure it's the most polite way to possibly go about saying it, you know? Yeah, and I mean, by then, she's almost scooped back into that majority alliance. Yeah, like, we don't here. we don't know how that will stick, but, but yeah, she's she's in there. So I yeah, I'm curious. I think you're right in that she's the one outside of the alliance who feels can survive, like make it past, uh, go farther than one of the seven will go, and that might be more than one person, but definitely it feels like she will out survive at least one of the seven. Yeah, and honestly, like I think that the the main relationship of the season, like I said, is this Jonathan, Marianne, Omer trio. Um, I could see them maybe reuniting. I could see them being at odds with each other. Uh, my biggest issue here is like Jonathan and Marianne are so, they're both so golden and it's so weird that this might be the first time this has ever happened, but the audience's two favorite characters who they're positioning are also at odds, but also kind of in an alliance, but not really, you know, like they are a rivalry. They are at odds and they are both heroes. That's super weird. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. How it doesn't want to present either of them as bad or fully bad. I know yeah, that might be complicated too. That might be best for like Omer who's like yeah. trying to bring them together. And it's like, but look, both these people are good and we're being shown that both of them are worth rooting for. So yeah, it's, it's super interesting. Um, I just, I, I think that the character, like for me, what puts Marianne, I think above Jonathan for me is the subtle character shift. Like she is now more or less serious Marianne or at least serious, sir 
Marianne. And that character changes a little bit more distinct, I think, for me than Jonathan, who I think could look this way either way. He is a little bit more strategic as well, though, right? Like, they both got more serious this week and, like, more like pedal of the metal. And to me, they are tied, effectively. Like, I think both of them have a ridiculous amount of win equity between them. And I don't know who's winning either. Like, I don't know, uh, like, the, their battle, I mean. Like, there's a battle going on, and I have no idea who's winning it. Yeah, they are so close. I don't, I don't know. It is so strange. I have Jonathan higher, like, and it's literally the cusp of my contenders list. Like, I have Jonathan as a contender, but Marianne is not. And it's really, I'm trying to quantify why that is because i i don't know if i feel it's wrong or i know i just i think i'm still in some ways stuck in marianne's sort of theme that is like this is just how marianne would be presented regardless but now it's almost working the other way where i can't believe she's the winner i'm thinking it's just this is her as a character yeah and that's that's the like again like the big issue with these characters is like (laughs) it kind of is annoying that i have to kind of be like oh my god okay which one like like if they come seventh which one looks worse you know what i mean it's it's really tricky having them both here in contention um like honestly the top my top four are all the best characters on the season and that's very frustrating because like they probably all look kind of like this either way um yeah which is very frustrating but and not very common either honestly i feel like usually somebody is like there's a Lindsay or something in there with a real chance to win this time it's like, like last season, I would not say Erica was in the top five, you know, um, but this or, you know, even Tommy or whatever. Like, she, like, I feel like usually the best characters are not your winner contenders. This season, they kind of are. And it's a little annoying. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Marianne, she's another one that I can't place in terms of placement. I think she's going far, though. Yeah, I think she's safe for definitely a few more weeks. Yeah, just the that Goldilocks confessional, especially. It was like they could not have dropped her softer than they did. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to Mike, who uh, it's kind of the pattern this week with this uh, this trio coming up here. But another phenomenal episode for Mike. Like maybe the best up. Ep- like to me, this Mike's my number one um yeah for what it's worth uh and he was my number one last week and then this episode i think raised his win equity from number one to like super number one um it just was a pretty freaking phenomenal episode right he establishes bonds with most of the main characters in meaningful ways you can easily see him like i i can't imagine this guy doesn't win a jury vote if he makes the end and honestly joe i think he might be one of the best players on the cast as well he is a ridiculous social player everybody seems to just immediately fall in love with this guy um and and he's magnetic and he understands the game he is just incredible yeah i think it's interesting to have Mike and Omer close together. I feel like I've seen a lot of people be really high on Omer because he did have this amazing scene of like doing what Chanel said she was going to do, controlling the vote without having a vote. And it was like, that's what we needed. Like, Omer's such a contender. But it's so apparent, and it's such a, a scene that would be shown regardless. And I don't know, in a way, it's almost a little too late. We'll get to more of that later. But Mike, on the other hand, I think had a very fantastic episode in that immediately what I noticed is that throughout there are all these little scenes of like Mike is with Drea, Mike is with Jonathan, like Mike was with people, but the edit was never like Mike is making all these bonds. Like 
it was very subtle. And I guess sometimes sub- subtlety is not Survivor's strong point, and so it may have been unintentional, but it felt really intentional. Like, look at all these places where Mike has integrated himself into into this alliance. So yeah, I thought it was spectacular. His He's not so attached to Lydia that this vote switch isn't a death knell for him, I feel. That does feel a little weird to say when we haven't got the, the mea culpas yet, but, but yeah, I didn't take too much of it. Yeah, it did bother me at all, honestly. Like, I, I, we've... St- I don't even know if we've seen Mike and Lydia have like a scene together, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, yeah. So, hundred percent agree with everything you said. The other thing is like, well, subtlety's not Survivor strong suit. It's not like these relationships were subtle. It was like Mike and Omer having like a deep, profound conversation. Like Mike and Jonathan having a deep, profound conversation. Like it was over and over again. I think if it was just one of those a week or something, I'd agree with you. But I think the fact that they were all here together and it was like except for romeo and high i think almost every single relationship scene was mike and somebody else like even though it wasn't like over the moon for mike in terms of people like gushing about him he either got Mm -hmm. to gush about them or they got to gush about their personal story related to mike or something like that and i'm sure everybody talked about their personal life together right like it's something i think you can kind of assume and the fact that for every single person except for the one that i think you have to do romeo and high right like that makes error no matter what it's mike and somebody else is how they get to show their story it's through mike's eyes it's very Denise um for me in terms of storytelling of you know Mike is the cipher for which people see themselves and, and but it's not about them it's it's about how he's doing it he's just really great uh, he's a great character he's a lot of fun uh, he's got good confessionals and I, I I think he's probably the winner yeah I think the strongest thing about Mike is that we've talked about this theme of well-roundedness and sort of your idea of someone who isn't always making the biggest moves the idea that this season is about a game player we're seeing mike with the people that have big impacts like drea has all those advantages jonathan is this physical like threat omar is making game moves but he's not not the one in the driver's seat ever in a weird way that's really good like he's involved he's there but he's not he's not this like extreme force in any one of those respects and i think that works out really nicely for him Yeah, I think, like, us as in the hyper-analyzing every little detail, maybe view Mike as one of the better players, And but I think the average audience member isn't like, oh my god, Mike is an overbearing strategist, right? Like, I think they think the best players are high and, and Omer and stuff like that, right? Like, I think that's who they're yeah. more or less positioning. Whereas, Mike, we can see he's one of the best players, but they're not really telling us that. They're saying, if anything flashback to a couple weeks ago um him talking to daniel and being like you know daniel's my numbers guy i'm just i'm just here right i I, i'm gonna look for people who compliment me because i know my weaknesses and daniel and hi you know are the other side of that obviously daniel's not here anymore you replaced him with hi but like that's the idea right is this mike and strategy person and together that makes a pretty strong duo yeah it's very much this acknowledging he's not the way he looks acknowledging he has weaknesses and then finding people that fill in those spaces i think all works together really nicely yeah 100 percent. and also honestly i have a hard time seeing him not in finale like he has longevity as well and maybe that means he comes fifth or 
Like, I think fifth or sixth, fifth, fourth are in the tables for Mike. Um, but I couldn't see him being a losing finalist, and I couldn't see him not making finale. And so that really, for me, leaves him six, five, four, one yeah. as spots. And that's pretty damn good odds compared to anybody else. Yeah, I really agree with that. Um, yeah, like I just for me, I I would be pretty shocked uh, if he doesn't win if he gets there. And I think he's got ridiculous odds to get there. So that is kind of my internal calculation for why he's number one. Um, I also really like him, so I'll be happy if if and when he wins. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, any other Mike thoughts? I do not. I guess the only other thing is, like, I mean, our themes, like, they all apply to him or are said by him, you know, like, and just like, like we talked about this last week, but the crafting of everything, like everything he's been involved with, we've seen the beginning, middle end with, you know, like no yep. stones are left unturned with anything involving Mike. We get the entire rise and fall of Daniel and Mike. We get him losing and finding the idol and deciding if he was going to play it or not. And, and, and like everything has got to be getting middle end. Whereas everybody else, or not everybody else, but a lot of other people's stories just kind of drop and pop back in, you know, his don't. Yeah. I think looking at how good Mike's edit is, I think of how good Shan's edit is. But thinking of what we, I think, learned last season, or I did at least, was that it has to match the stories mm-hmm. the season is wanting to focus on. And Mike's edit definitely does that. Um, There's no negativity, right? Like with Shan, it was always like, oh, maybe the villain wins. But yeah. once she took a little bit more of a villainous turn. But, um, you know, Mike's always just been, other than episode three, where he looked a little doofy, I mean, he's just been positive. Yeah. Like, I don't even think there's a moment, uh, like, like there's not, like, a, like he doesn't even have, like, an Achilles heel yet. Other than maybe, maybe if it is that he's bad at counting, or, like, that's, like, those one weakness, so maybe he makes a really bad move or something. But we haven't really seen any evidence of that. He seems pretty competent for the most part, so gonna treat him as that until we see otherwise. Yep. Which brings us to Omer, who definitely started the episode, Um, and you were kind of going on an Omer tangent earlier, so I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I I think I echo what I said, where it was undoubtedly, like, a good scene, a good episode. Like, it's a star moment. It's very easy to see if Omer's the winner, you showcase this. But if he's not the winner, I think you do too. Mm -hmm. He's a tricky one where I think he, out of anyone on Taku, maybe has the lasting effects of last episode the most, where Taku had that big shift and it just didn't make sense. I think that still sort of drags on me that that episode sort of really highlighted, oh, Omer doesn't really perfectly fit with the themes we're starting to see. And so, he's he's still my second contender. Like, this episode was just so good, I would hate to miss out on it. Yeah. But even then, his story doesn't make near as much sense as Mike's does now as a full picture. Like, Omer has really good moments, has really good, like, winner scenes, but they're very, they're much more individual. They're not linked together in a full-flowing plot. Yeah, I actually agree with that. Um, So, for me, yeah, like, I have Mike number one, and then I have the Jonathan Marianne dilemma second and third and then i have omer and the reason for that is pretty much what you said it's it's the fact that this scene is awesome 
It's a great character study. Uh, it shows exactly who he is. It's awesome. And worst case for Omer, kind of could be the wrap up of his story. Um, episode one, he says he's going to be a pigeon who's actually an owl. I think it is a pigeon uh, waiting for a shot in the night to you know strike like an owl. And we saw that this week. This could be his big move um, where he solidifies himself as an owl. Uh, and we've seen this narrative before. Christian becoming a Goliath. You can no longer consider him. I don't think this is as um, dour as that could be. Um, because again, it was one confessional and it was, it was just one part of his story. But if he doesn't have a good next week, I could see myself eliminating him from contention. Um, because act one is now over for Omer. He's, he, he is no longer the pigeon hiding in the darkness. He's now the owl. And so what does he do with it now? I need to know. Obviously they, don't, they couldn't possibly show that this week because the vote didn't happen. Um, but to me, he is on, he need, he's got a lot of win equity, but he's also on ice because if next week doesn't deliver, in terms of a second act, he doesn't have anything. Um, so I'm very apprehensive about him. Still have him number four um, and still on my list and everything like that. I'm not super far off because, again, I would hate to miss out on it. Like, he looks yeah. a lot like the winner. You know what I mean? Like, he's got a really, really good edit on paper. But my approach is always following the stories and while he mixes some of them or he hits some of them there are interesting things where he doesn't fit very well like he isn't a provider he like is shown kind of useless like he isn't physically strong but he's in the physically strong alliance but he doesn't comment on that like he seems to just also agree you know like there's weird parts here um that I, I don't know i just that kind of stuff is not great um and i don't know i just for me the big thing is it's just he's not matching the stories in a in a crafted way you can kind of get there and if the story does turn more into jonathan marianne like uh marriage of inconvenience or marriage of convenience with omar kind of run between the two then omar can win that's his path if that's the story but that's one lane and i think that's the only one where he can win and i don't know how likely that is as much as them just coming after each other yeah i think that is the best case for where omar's story goes from here i feel like thinking about next episode it feels like there's a lot of red flag areas that it could go where like maybe he's just not in the episode that's pretty bad maybe he really sort of i think if he acknowledges what he's done like his move here and like how good it was i think that's really bad for him too in a weird way where like he has made himself this threat and it does sort of close out his story i yeah i think it's hard to imagine what his episode looks like that's good mm -hmm. i think it almost needs to a really beneficial thing would be sort of this alliance very quickly falling apart i think and yeah he needs this to die <laughs> Yeah, because I think it's it's not one that has him as the winner. Yeah, I totally agree there. And I think it's interesting that for him specifically, this is a group that values strength and everything like that. And obviously he doesn't fit that. But also he's the schemer, right? Like it's another one where similar to High, he is a season that is sort of anti-scheming. He is after the, like after high, I think is maybe, and Chanel is maybe presented as the most schemy. Uh, yeah, not great. Unless he's able to give some sort of separate rationalization for it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, Omer, the other, the other issue is he does not have longevity. Like if he got who even 
like I don't know who it would be like, because it's Drea, Mike, and Marianne have idols, but like, I could see him getting idled out or like leave soon. Like maybe they, the six of them decide that you know, uh, Lindsay, Omer, and Jonathan are too strong. They need to cut one of them. Omer's yeah. the one on the outs. Like there's a lot of pathways like that which are not great for him. Yep, I definitely see that too. So yeah, I mean that said, I think we're both very positive on him. Looks great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think it's hard to imagine why someone would view him as a winner contender. Um, he looks pretty golden. Uh, he, get, he does uh, get to talk a lot about the themes. It's just he's not matching with them perfectly. So, I don't know. Still could easily see this being a possibility. Which brings us to Roxroy, who uh, honestly didn't look terrible. Yeah, last episode you talked about how whomever goes to Hourglass Island will get a big boost. And... I, I don't think it's happening to other people in the community, but I, like, brought him up a bunch of spaces. Like, I still think his story's not the most sensical, but it at least makes sense across it. Like, he just wants to provide, and mm-hmm. I guess the best shot is that he falls backward into winning, but it still seems really out of place. I just think that's a lot more... It's easier to imagine right now than several other stories leading to yeah. the winner. I totally agree. For me, I think Roxroy is now going to be like my Heather, where it's like anyone below him is dead, but he's somehow still alive. Like the reason for that is what you're saying. It's he does kind of give a forward like as best as they could. They extracted some forward looking content from him. You know what I mean? It was extremely shallow, but it was like, maybe Romeo and Drea will help me. And kind of looks like they did. You know, like, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, you can tell they're trying something with him. Uh, he's got an adversary in Tori that's pretty well developed at this point, like, extremely well developed. Um, and, uh, like, <laughs> actually pretty complex. Uh, and you could see a world where maybe he's like a fake goat or something. Uh, people think he's a goat and then he wins a better jury. I don't know. Like you're not seeing him all of a sudden be a good player. I don't think, but if he's up yeah. there against the right people. Maybe he sneaks a win or realistically, I think it's more like his, um, losing finalist shot is going up. I think is yeah. what we're seeing. Um, I actually think that's not like he might be the most likely losing finalist. Oh yeah. I think if anything, it's almost reversed where like we talk about what makes people a losing finalist i think for roxroy it's so apparent that they're like yeah having to do the opposite job of like what makes him like qualified or okay <laughs> like why yeah, he deserves to, to be there in some sense um so yeah i think i think yeah like i said it was hard to imagine if he doesn't go here when does he go and yeah. other than the fact that maybe he's not a loose cannon, like almost the opposite of that too, where like he's so stuck in his ways that it's not useful to he's players. An extremely closed off cannon. <laughs> um, that he might go, like you could see him going in the split tribal, like where just options are weird. But yeah, otherwise I feel like he has a pretty good path to the end. <laughs> yeah. No, like... He kind of fits the themes, too, but, like, in a somewhat negative way. You know what I mean? Like, he's not well-rounded. You can easily see why he loses there. Like, he is... He's physically strong, and he's in that group. But also, there's been a lot of attention on, like, how him being gassed in challenges and, like... Mm -hmm. Like, he's physically strong, but he's actually... I mean, it's weird because this week, we actually saw him kind of be a boss 
with the provider stuff, but before now has more or less been presented as a hypocrite, right? Like somebody uh, acting like a provider, but not actually providing anything. Like he wants to be a provider, but everyone's annoyed at him and he built the shelter and now we can get rid of him. Like there's no appreciation for what he's doing generally. Yeah. I guess it is weird. There's some sense of merit in what he was doing on Hourglass Island, but there's also that scene where he he's trying to make like a frame and the stick breaks and he's immediately like, see, that's why you test it. It is the sense that like he doesn't quite know himself. <laughs> like, yeah. But like he is, a provider. He is himself, but he doesn't know himself. His best element is out in that. It's, it's also just... just so funny. Like, he looked like he was having the best time of his life, and he's looked miserable the rest of the season. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he was having so much fun alone there on the island. Like, he's on the wrong show. Put him on alone. You know what I mean? Like, he would be the happiest guy out in the woods without his nagging wife, which I cannot believe he said. <laughs> but he's, just, he's really funny. Like, he was killing me the whole time. Like, he's just, like, he also seems to have the, like, um, you know, uh, guiding principles or, or morals or whatever of, like, the Shia LaBeouf just do it video. He's like, I always tell my kids to just do it. Like, ignore everything else and just finish the task and move on. Like, he's like, I always say, just keep doing it again and again. Just do it. Like, man is <laughs> one track mind. Uh, <laughs> such an odd character on Modern Survivor. He really yeah. is like Butch from the Amazon. It's just here now. Um, And yeah, I, I feel like he's probably making $100,000. Yeah. So good on Roxroy. Which brings us to Romeo. I think an interesting one. Last week, we both raised up on him a lot. And Joe, I dropped him all the way back down again. Uh, he literally went for me from like number 10 or something to number three, back down to number 10. Yeah, I talked about how... Last episode sort of put Drea and Romeo better in context, or I could see something coming from that. And then, yeah, this episode was not great, like I said. Such a weird lack of attention paid to that. I didn't drop Romeo as much, though, because it's still like, okay, so you didn't do it here, but what are you doing with this story? Like, why is Romeo important, especially now that he's not in this majority alliance? Like, what happens? And so, yeah, he's still eliminated, which, like, is now everyone but my top four, I think. Um, But he's number five. Like, if I have to see one of these other seven people winning... Like, I guess it's Romeo for reasons yeah. I do not yet see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always love that spot where it's like, well, if I'm wrong, I guess it's this guy. Um, For me, it's just, he's so weird in this episode. Like, um, specifically, like... <laughs> him talking about like looking like a skeleton like he would eat cockroaches if he needed to um like i don't know it's like obviously he has like a very powerful awesome moment in episode six uh you know with with high like great stuff um but then all of a sudden he turns into like i feel like in episode seven very paranoid and like he just and he's pitching jonathan to go and nothing's working like he's not included with drea there's just a lot of not great things there and i'm probably being dramatic he's not that low but he did drop a 
good chunk in my mind. Uh, I just feel like we, to me, he has a second act, so he's probably here for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's still true. I think he's probably still on the D- DVD cover. A lot of the positives I said last week, I still believe. I just, his win equity dropped. Uh, and that I could see him pretty much being anywhere. And I think we saw, you know, like, this is a season about, like, being yourself no matter what. And it's sort of weird to say, but, I mean, clearly he hasn't in some way, right? Like, it, yeah, till now. Yeah. I definitely, yeah, I get what you're what you're saying there. It is he's not the the example, I guess. Like it's very much a season about not figuring out who you are. It's about yeah. having been who you are. And you're right. I know it's it's like very walking on eggshells topics, but like yeah, like I think all all good people. But like if you're looking at that interaction alone, like high is the one the that matches the show's themes right now. Whereas Romeo is having a great moment, but it's not... It's growth. That's the issue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At this point, that's clear what it is. Um, And that gives him a lot of longevity, I think. Um, Mm. And we've seen growth or growth adjacent when, usually not. But, like, you know, it's it's possible. Um, And I I think the biggest issue is he goes from this powerful, emotionally resonant scene to literally talking about eating cockroaches and doo-doo and looking like Skeletor. Like, the tonal mismatch there is is uh, um, shows a lack of consideration for, uh, I think, his story, I think. Yeah, he was just not the focus here. Like, weird asides, like, he seems to be legitimately, like, working with Tori mm-hmm. in a weird way. Like, the things he are saying, I don't imagine you say to someone you're, like, you would not have the same conversation with Tori. So, that definitely threw me off and yeah it's just like he why why is he not in that big alliance like he seems like someone who fits so nicely there not like i mean we've sort of simplified it to this physical alliance but you had people like omer and lydia in there i think he makes sense he's drea's closest number he's likes Roxroy. i mean other than the fact that like that would be nine people instead of eight he was just in the wrong places at the wrong times like yeah but also he wasn't really singled out as not in it right like we had tori uh chanel and marianne singled out as not in it other than so that literally leaves lydia who's no longer in the season and romeo Romeo's not mentioned, wrote, like, his relationship to it, right? Like, at least as a as a target or anything like that. His name's never brought up in either sphere. And he's also the spokesperson for the quote-unquote little alliance. So I think it's important to remember if the story goes a different way, if it isn't about how the big strong people win, he's the one who is leading the, the, the uh, underdogs or whatever. And that's yeah. not a bad spot to be in. Like, him and Marianne could do some damage potentially together. I think logically one of the weirdest things for me to think about with that is that that faction seems like it's just going to lose people really quickly. So it needs to happen really soon. Right, yeah. And you don't see it happening too soon. So Yeah, that's the issue, right? Is, like, what he needs is, like, either Chanel t- and, and Tori and... Chanel, honestly, Chanel and Tori mostly to not be, like, the walking dead. You know what I mean? And they kind of feel like it. Um, Tori might have a little bit more longevity, but like he kind of needs that to either not happen or to happen in the most cut and dry way possible. And then it's just him left. And then they splinter. I guess the best shot is maybe, maybe it does go pretty as expected next week. And then with that split tribal, like it just, the numbers end up in just the right way that none of them go home 
and then that's when the numbers can flip. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And like the worst part is like him and Tori are now on the outs. We've barely seen them have a bond, right? Like they have no relationship scene. She's literally a pageant girl. He's literally a pageant director. Like think they bring that up, maybe. Um, so I don't think that would even be the thing. Like I don't think it would be like Romeo and Tori rising up from the ashes or anything like that. Like it's really the issue is he needs to like worm his way back in with Drea somehow to win. And I, I think it's gonna happen in some way. I think they're gonna work together again. Just don't know how or when or yeah so i don't know i feel like he's coming like seventh or something (laughs) like that's like right in that range of like i think he outlives a lot of that strong alliance um Mm -hmm. and the the people who i think won't make it that far like i think he's gonna outlive a lot of these people uh and be a main character i just don't i don't think anything i think he might make it to the finale like i I think if i wasn't thinking too many people are in the finale right now like <laughs> he'd be like the, he's like my honorable mention for the finale <laughs> yeah that's uh that's romeo mm-hmm. um king legend and that brings us to tori who again star for winning the uh the immunity challenge and saving this episode i yeah. have no idea how she like where she can even end up you know what i mean like <laughs> i feel like i feel like her goose is pretty cooked other than that she does look like a losing finalist and does have some crappy underdog potential you know what i mean like she is the one who you could get some audience sympathy behind here right like they're done like she's trying um so i I don't know what to do with her. She feels like more of a long-term character, edit-wise, but logically, I have no idea how she gets out of here. She feels... I think we talked about how Chanel feels very, like, destined to go soon. Tori doesn't feel that. She just feels so separate from the narrative. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Chanel at least, like, is trying to get into conversations. Tori just feels like she is truly just alone on the island the whole time, and they all are like, we gotta get Tori out at some point, but she's just over there. Um, yeah, I... I don't know. I think... I think she might be that seventh place spot, where she is able to survive for a while, past the eventual breakup of the seven but still goes before the finale yeah no definitely a weird one <laughs> yeah it, it's it's kind of bonkers honestly like i think this might be a slight hyperbole but like i think we pretty much only saw her talk to marianne and romeo right like one-on-one yeah. like, either to groups or to marianne or romeo each once right mm-hmm. like it literally seems like she is like completely ostracized yeah and it's weird because she's kind of been present like it's so weird because so i feel like everybody else and it's kind of fitting she's last here everybody else has a role to some degree even Lindsay might be second last but has has a role in the dynamics and and where they're going and and they fit into the story in a way right whereas Tori it's not like she doesn't have a story she has a very clear story from beginning middle end um like from the start uh you know she is like the nerd hustler, she's trying to wiggle between people, not quite so successful, but she is able to turn uh, lemons into lemonade. That's kind of her story, right? Is she's able to pull a rabbit out of her hat when it's needed, and she's actually a pretty good player, I think is what they kind of want us to know. Um, mm-hmm. But she's also a little bit irritable uh and it's this weird separate story but it's completely clear the whole time and it's crafted and there's intentionality behind it uh they, they clearly like her a lot it just doesn't connect to anybody else it's completely a single person story yeah which... yeah it's just interesting to see like when her her like powers will run out i guess like yeah and i feel like it could happen anytime like is this another case where tori just barely survives or yeah I 
I don't know. I feel like it's much more that and not like Tori survives long enough to find herself in a position of power going forward. Agreed. She's a cockroach. Right? Yeah. Like that's the thing is her story. She's the cockroach queen or whatever. And the, 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 the hard thing about tracking that is, well, sometime like your dodge doesn't work and you get sliced by the throwing knife. Right. Like, but my, my guess, Joe, I think she has one, or two more big moves in her because they've given her a lot of content and they've given her a pretty good treatment, I would say overall right like and so for me i have to assume that there's a reason for that very rarely i think do you see this person like like these singular crafted stories like you have like an a plot a b plot and then you have tori's plot almost as the c um i think very rarely do you see that person kind of just leave on a whimper usually it is they're able to pull magic out of their hat or something she would be like i don't i I guess if Dewar dies back or whatever she would be a pick for me to maybe have maybe she lives from that or something you know what I mean? Like, but that's so far away that I don't even know how she gets there. Like, yeah, I, I th- maybe if there's another advantage, she finds it and plays it successfully, something like that. Like, I think she's going to get one more like jolt out of it. And maybe that's maybe that is how Roxbury leaves. I don't know. But I think she has one more trick left in her at the very least, maybe two. Yeah. Hmm. They basically built that idea, right? Like they built the idea that she can pull a met, pull a rabbit out of her hat. But we haven't, other than living against um, uh, Daniel, or, so, so, yeah, no, oh my goodness, sorry, against, um, why am I blanking? Against like Swathi? Swathi, yeah. Um, other than that, like, that was the building moment. I don't think that's the payoff for that story. Yeah. So, again, I guess I expect one big move out of her, at the very least. Um, and she has that story with Roxway. Like, even episode six decides to spend a lot of time on that dynamic right at the start yeah i think like i said at the beginning though it really had a good payoff here in these two episodes where rocks troy it seems like is going to ruin tori's game and then tori does survive this one time i feel like that could be the end possibly not there's the door still open but i think she needs one like unless it's rocks Roy's story right like unless all of tori's story is actually rocks Roy's story i think she has one more in her. um i think that she's at least gonna settle the score in some way um but yeah i mean no idea where she's gonna place but uh i think she's freaking hilarious on the show like yeah villain i know i'm now it's been a slow game but i'm now fully a tori stan not fully <laughs> not fully i guess but on this show of Survivor Season 42... Joe endorses Tori... everything Tori's ever done on Survivor and otherwise. Tori Mian's a great character. Yeah, she is a great character. Like, no no doubts there. Um, And it looks like she's having a blast. Like, other than when she's talking to Roxroy, like, uh, looks like she's having a blast. She was super hype about those shark bulls. So, mm-hmm. uh, good for her. Uh, let's jump to Lydia, who I do feel bad for her. Like, I do want to say, I thought, and let me know what you think here. I thought this episode was a very clear Lydia boot from, mm, very clear might be harsh, but like she wins the reward and then she gets that confessional being like, wow, it's so great to have safety at the merge so I can worry about the future later <laughs> when they're eating Applebee's. I'm like, oh, she's dead. <laughs> like, she got the cursed confessional. Um, and then like, obviously until, um, you know, until Omer starts talking mentioning it obviously completely softened off that i'm like oh i guess they just let her be happy but then when her name was introduced i I was like oh her goose is cooked it's over yeah i think i think i could have seen it from the chanel and lydia discussion but i don't know it was very much i did not want lydia to go i really love lydia on this on this season and was sort of in denial until she went but but yeah i i think the writing was on the wall and they did a an okay job sort of putting her throughout. Yeah, no, totally agree there. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, she didn't really have a story, right? Like, it was like she was High's ally. Uh, yeah. And, like, I do feel bad that she's not on the jury. Like, she didn't get, you know, immunity stolen from her. That sucks. Like, that's the robbed spot. She deserved better. And uh, sad to see her go. Yeah, truly uh, funny on Twitter. Yeah, she's so funny on Twitter. Like, that's really the main main part I take from this is, like, Twitter icon. She's so funny. Hope she keeps tweeting a lot. Um, but yeah, okay, so that brings us to the end of this one. Uh, and I guess first, who is leaving next, Joe? I'm going to pick Chanel. I, I would think. have picked Chanel. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have to and... go first. That way you get to pick it. But you had some you had some spicy takes. Like I think you said maybe high goes next, or yeah, I'm gonna go with high for a differentiation there. Just I don't think he's here much longer. And I just doubt this group is successful. Like, I feel like with the idols and advantages and stuff like that, something's going to go wrong. So rest in peace, hi. Uh, hmm. We've talked about our winners here, but just to reaffirm, I'll start here at number four. I only got four this week. I got Omer. Number three, I got Marianne. Tied with Jonathan. <laughs> so I'm allowed to do that. Um, uh, number three and two respectively. And number one, I got old Mike who I did not realize was 50. Like apparently he is older than Bob Crowley when he played. I thought Mike was like 40. He's like 59. Yeah. Huh? Uh, he's 116. <laughs> he's 116. Um, man is in, uh, dang good shape for late fifties. Yeah. I will say, okay. So Marianne is in fourth. I guess that me mentioning her is her perk. Because I'm not going to put her on the chart, I think. Jonathan's in third, but like I said, very close. Second's Omer, and then first is Mike. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and I guess, okay, so right now, Joe, another prediction here. End of the season, who has the most confessional? Do we have any idea of where we stand right now on who has the high um, number? Um, no. I, I think, think number one is Omer. Really? I think. I would think right now it's maybe Jonathan, and I would maybe stick with Jonathan. Yeah, I think that's not a bad bet. Um, I'm just gonna say it's Omer. Maybe it's him. I feel like he gets a lot of confessionals, but I could be wrong there. Um, and yeah, so that's our show. Feel free to contact us. Send us some messages. Uh, we post this on Reddit. Uh, this one because Easter is coming out on probably Sunday night, Monday morning. Uh, we'll see how long it takes to edit. Uh, look forward to next new episode next week. Mm-hmm. See you then. Um, see you then. Leave us you nice reviews on iTunes. Thank you. Bye. That was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm I'm the winner. Oh gosh, it's like a million. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop. This time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. The girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can. And then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only